what your mother and I must know is, does this episode of the Diabolical Podcast feature spoilers for Black Christmas from 1974? Hello? 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 Hey, quiet! This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then compete to improve them. I'm your host, Gaz, and this week's movie is 1974's Yuletide slasher Black Christmas. So, Carol Pal, retrieve your bottle of straight sherry from the toilet cistern, stock up on cling film, because it's Christmas Day! You know what that means! Let's get diabolical! Hello and welcome to this week's pod, wherein my three friends and I comprise the panel of peril who will compete to see who can improve the villainous pun of the week the best to earn points for the leaderboard in the show's competitive round. But first, if you could introduce yourselves and tell me what your favourite screen portrayal of Father Christmas is. And we'll begin with... We know never to do this, but I'm going to do it. We'll begin with the Cinemaster. Oh, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> what hast thou danced? Well, it's fine. I have my answer queued up and ready to go. Um, hello. Just need to this open my is... notebook. No, I don't. Stop interrupting him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're actually by by mocking me, you've prolonged this section longer than it was if I was looking in my notebook. <laughs> oh, the irony! Hoist by my own petard. Hello, it's me, the Cinemaster. Hope you're having a wonderful Christmas time. And my favourite portrayal of Father Christmas is Jim Broadbent from the movie Get Santa, which is a really, really fun movie. If you haven't seen it, it's got a good few stars in it. It's got Rafe Spall, Jodie Whittaker. Rafe Spall? Is that a person? Do you mean Timothy Spall? No, Rafe Spall is his son. From Hot Fuzz. Ah. And Shaun of the Dead. And, and Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in loads of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's really it's a really fun Christmas film. And um, every Christmas comes around, we track it down and watch it again as a family. So yeah, well worth a go. Good stuff. I'll have to check that one out. Mm. Let's next hear from Ben. Hi, Ben here. I don't really care what kind of Christmas you're having. My favourite Santa Claus <laughs> is played by David Huddleston, who would go on to play the Big Lebowski. And he played Santa Ooh. in Santa Claus the Movie with Dudley Moore. Mm, ah. Of course. So he did. That was on every single Christmas in my house. I yes. remember you being obsessed with that. Yeah. yeah. It was big for my brother and sister, but I, I don't think I've ever actually seen it the whole way through. Oh, it's great. Isn't John Lithgow in it? Yeah, oh yeah. John Lithgow's the bad guy. BZ, isn't he? Mm. BZ Toys. Yeah, exactly. Craig here. My favourite big screen portrayal of Father Christmas is Ed Asner in Elf which is a perennial favourite of ours. Yeah. He's a, a gruff, funny little Santa. Mm. You'll know him as the old man from Up. Oh, yeah. Ah, yes, of course. Ah. 
lovely old dead, hasn't it? And my favourite screen portrayal of Father Christmas is Reese Shearsmith as Papa Lazarou as Father Christmas <laughs> in the <laughs> Christmas special, where he terrorises Bernice the vicar and uh, murders her parents at Christmas and then comes back for her when she's an adult. Wholesome stuff. Very nice. <laughs> Black Christmas was popped into our collective stockings in 1974 and was directed by one of the great journeyman directors in Bob Clark. Some other films of his you may have heard of, Murder by Decree, Porky's, Porky's 2, and a decidedly more wholesome holiday serving of A Christmas Story. Black Christmas may be his crowning achievement, however. Starring Superman's Margot Kidder, 2001's Keir DeLay, Nightmare on Elm Street's John Saxon, and it's Olivia Hussey, the film tells the tale of a college sorority house terrorised by a largely unseen male assailant who calls himself Billy. Lurking in the house attic, Billy peppers the girls with obscene phone calls before pouncing on anyone who ventures close enough. Genuinely disturbing at various times, Black Christmas has several standout sequences, memorable performances and characters, and a brilliantly nerve-jangling score, with a real doozy of an ending. Initially a flop upon release in 1974 due to the high calibre competition of The Godfather Part 2 and The Man with the Golden Gun, the film would be re-released in 1975 proving more successful and seeing it become the third highest grossing Canadian film to that date. But what did the panel think of this one? And let's begin with Ben. Well, this was my first watch and I went into it only knowing that it was a horror movie. And what a horror movie it was. I think it was a masterclass in theatre of the mind. And it was obviously a huge influence on John Carpenter and the Halloween series. And I think I got a lot more out of it having watched Psycho and Halloween for the podcast because I could kind of see this film's place in the evolution of the slasher film, which was really quite fun. I think the performance was strong, as you say. The story is full of twists and turns. And the open ending is mwah. That's a chef's kiss, by the way. (laughs) So overall, I give it, uh, if you're looking to sprinkle some terror in your eggnog, then Black Christmas has you covered. (laughs) And as this week is a special week, that's out of 12, to represent the 12 days of suffering that Jesus endured for our sins in order to invent (laughs) Christmas. Thanks, Jesus. Cheers, Jesus. Cheers, Jesus. Cheers to you. Here's salt in your eye. And next, let's hear from the Cinemaster, please. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it as well for much the same reasons as Ben, um, with all the uh, foreshadowing of the highly superior Halloween, really. It's got all the elements there. Like you say, there's some truly is some horrible, creepy, with the phone calls are the worst, aren't they? Yeah. The worst, as in the best, best bits. And genuinely makes you feel uncomfortable and i mean i've watched a lot of horror films in my time and that is just oh it's up it's up there this is the first time i watched a movie as well so it'll stay in my mind when any anybody says black christmas from now on i'll be like oh it's got those horrible phone calls in it isn't it but it's a bit tongue-in-cheek at some points isn't it you don't know whether it's being deliberately um tongue-in-cheek or whether it's just like 
bit corny acting and stuff, but it still does the job either way, I think. Anyway, and I really enjoyed, you know, the, the, the landlady. Mrs. Mack. Yeah. And her secretive drinking and what why is she hiding the drinking and stuff like that and i just like and hiding the booze and and toilet system and inside a book <laughs> all the classics yeah it's great and then I, I i kind of enjoyed as well the setup for most of the deaths as well you can see him coming a mile off but i also like the the way it, it immediately shines a light on the weirdo with a suspect and it's like the whole way through the film, it carries that really strongly. And then mm. at the, at, just at the very end, it's like you immediately know maybe that's not the whole story. So very enjoyable first watch. Um, and um, yeah, I shall be watching again. Good. Good. I'm happy with that one. And Craig? Well, it was a first time watch for me as well. And I have to say that I thought it was dreadfully good. Dreadfully good. <laughs> Boy. Had us in the first half, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the innovation on display, really impressive. Halloween's credited, obviously, with Steadicam. But the POV stuff in this is insane. When he comes down the ladder from the attic with the camera, yeah. how did he do that? Yeah. It's fucking mental. Yeah. So good. And all the POV stuff really hits, and it really sells like the, the creepiness of the situation and the tension of it. I agree that some of the... Uh, performances are a bit whack i think it is meant to be tongue-in-cheek though we discussed olivia hussey in it not being very good didn't we and and i think that's what made you think of her in this hello hello (laughs) (laughs) it's him again it's weird how she went on to marry billy in the end right (laughs) Um, but yeah i do think it was tongue-in-cheek and um Mm. the boyfriend being the uh red herring i think that's maybe one of the tropes they play with in scream right because you think it's billy the boyfriend poor billy boyfriend in scream and then it turns Mm. out it's not because he gets attacked but then it turns out it is at the end Mm -hmm. spoilers for scream there (laughs) a lot of things that i guess become tropes later on start out in this and i think it's really good i think they do a great job of everything i have no criticisms of it really i don't necessarily agree that halloween's superior i think they're probably on a par good stuff i really thought it was very good good great cast too it is isn't it yeah fantastic yeah pretty much top to bottom right down to the guy he plays dave hello dave (laughs) yeah dave the pianist from 2001 (laughs) dave the pianist he, the boyfriend, he's Dave from 2001, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, Dave, he's not a pianist in 2001. <laughs> Sounds well. like you were saying Dave the pianist from 2001. <laughs> that, that was him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, right down to Mr. Harrison, the nerdy, priggish father who yeah. comes looking for his, his daughter. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? Um, but it's it's sort of quite a cruel... Uh, twist of the film that she's the first victim she's dead the entire time that he's there so yeah ostensibly in it uh the trope would be that he finds his daughter in the end i suppose in in this kind of film Mm. usually but she's she's wrapped in uh plastic in the attic in a rocking chair in the famous image from the film she's dead wrapped in plastic Pretty grotesque, genuinely disturbing, as I said in my intro. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree with Craig. I, I think it's on a par with Halloween, and I've watched it, I think, four times now. Um, after watching it for the first time this year, 
and it improves every time for me. Mm, I can see that. Yeah, and I was shocked by how much Halloween took from it, the POV shots. Yeah. The ending particularly is is basically the same ending with the shots of empty rooms um, leading to the discovery that the killer is alive. That was great. The music is brilliant in this film. It's so nerve-jangling. And it forms another great part of the red herring about Pete, the boyfriend, potentially being the killer yeah. because he's he smashes up his piano with the, the mic stand, mm. which is the sound of the soundtrack, which I think is just right. really, right, yeah. really clever when you see him doing that. Yeah. Yeah. All the sound design. The phone calls are not mm. just creepy. They sound like... It's, sometimes it sounds like it's a, it's a woman talking and like yeah. it's all distorted vocals uh really really cleverly done so creepy i think on the making of one of one films blu-ray is excellent of this film great mm. picture and extras um i think on the extras they say it was five different actors who did the voice for billy on the phone that makes sense mm. and they would just randomly switch them out but weren't the calls didn't they arrive after he'd murdered he'd already killed someone hadn't he the first call was the girl in the park right yeah yeah. And I think they come after deaths. And I, I thought some of them were like the sounds of a screaming. I thought that's what I assumed they were. Mm. That's what I, I took from it. Mm. Right. Yeah, but just to conclude my thoughts on the film, yeah, I, I think it's right in the top echelon of horror films. I, I don't know where you'd place it in a chart, but it's certainly well within the top 100 horror films for me. Yeah, and totally. I think I, it's a film that I'll continue to revisit quite often just because of how genuinely sounds a bit strange to say affecting but it is is genuinely so disturbing at times that it really leaves a mark on me and compels me to to rewatch that diorama that he makes with the people in the in the attic is very disturbing and it you wonder like is he trying to recreate something like family that he had maybe he lived in the house or something Uh, Mm. but yeah i agree it is affecting yeah I haven't seen. There's there's two two more versions that I'm aware of, and the first remake by Morgan and Wong of X Files and Final Destination mm. fame does give like a full origin story to the killer, and you know who it is okay. the entire way through. It's more about him coming home, like Michael Myers, to continue right. his killing spree. I'd like to see that one. The trailer looks really good. Final Destination is pretty good. And uh, all of Morgan and Wong's X-Files stuff was great. Yes, Jose Chung's. Yeah. Let's move on to our favourite sequences. And let's begin begin with Craig. Let's begin with Craig. Yeah, I've got sort of two. I'll pick one for now and maybe come back to the other, but they both involve Margot Kidder. Uh, and my my top favorite of the two is is her death, which is foreshadowed by the image of the unicorn on her dresser. And I thought, oh, she's getting killed with a unicorn, and I wasn't disappointed. She was yeah. indeed killed with a unicorn. Yeah, there's no blood splatter or anything in this movie. It's no. a very it's one of the other things I noted. It was it was like it's the noise, isn't it? Yeah, it's very Halloween in that in that way as yeah. well, isn't it? That, that they didn't have any blood horribly um, visceral tearing yeah. sound and her scream yeah. she sells it really well yeah she's great margot kidder i think in the in the tradition of psycho it's mm. it's all just very yeah. cleverly done you don't actually see anything mm. but your mind fills in the blanks right mm. yeah showing the unicorn is the thing that does it because it's got that you know obviously the spiked horn and you the just, little glint you, of light off it and yeah you're like, oh, yeah 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 they're filmed in 
quite stark ways as well most of the kills like the rest of the yeah. screen apart from the victim is usually completely black right there's usually it goes purposefully i assume goes out of focus a few times which gives it an uneasy quality yeah it feels like a frenzied kill mm. yeah almost like his his blood pressure's pumping up to the point where it's like hazy mm. yeah yeah that's a good call and yeah, like like you're saying, the the sound design on everything is just. I keep on using the word, but it is. It's it's very disturbing, uh, in yeah. the best possible kind of way for for this sort of mm. film. And let's hear Ben's favorite sequence. Oh, I'm I'm torn between two. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I'll go with the eye in the crack. It's amazing. Yeah, because oh, you see God, so little creepy. throughout the film that when you see his eye peeking through the crack, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it just puts you know, on the right on the edge of your seat. Like, oh, what's going to happen next? Is he going to burst out? And you you just you just don't know. And there's just the way it's shot, just the the, the light just on the eye. Everything else is dark. It's yeah, it's really well done. <laughs> yeah, like you say, you see so little, but what you do see is it's so scary. He looks absolutely insane. Yeah, just that shot of his eye. There's a bit of red around it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just uh, it's really scary. And it's me, Billy. And it's like, <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> and Cinemaster, what was your favourite sequence? It was the bit right at the end where they, 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 they figure out the calls coming from the same house. And the police are going, like, we'll get over there right now. And they're just like driving along. The sirens and everything are going. And they're just going. <laughs> they have to drive at that speed so that John Saxon's hair doesn't blow off his head. That's the in place. <laughs> And I just thought it's quite ironic, really. They were driving at the same kind of speed and urgency that the police would drive at today for a harassed woman as well. So <laughs> Satire. <laughs> I, I think it was a bit icy, you see. They were driving down the main main road of a, a town, weren't they? Yeah, so I was just ice. like... Black ice, mate. Black Christmas, black ice. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of um, how police actually act. So... <laughs> Oh, harassed woman, yeah. You, you, you're probably just uh, imagining things, love, or something. We'll be over in a bit. We're just going to stop for a pizza, and then we'll be right. Oh, she's dead. Oh, bollocks. Uh, Donuts, yeah. surely, not pizza. In, in America. Sorry, yeah. I apologise to cops out there, yeah. I don't know, it would be KFC in the UK, wouldn't it, probably? Or a Greg sausage roll. That's, yeah. that's, that's your British donut, isn't it? A Greg I'm sausage starving roll. for one end. Come on, don't talk about that. <laughs> Uh, my favourite scene. What was your favourite, Gaz? Well, I'm going to tell you if you blimmin' listen. <laughs> uh, my favourite <laughs> sequence is Mrs. Max murder scene where yeah. she's looking for the cat. Oh, yeah. right. And she climbs up the ladder to the attic and pushes through the hatch and then it shows you the hook before she sees yeah. it and you're just yeah. like, oh, here we go, here we go. That was the other one that I'd, I had on my list. Mm. The two I was torn between with the eye and the hook. Yeah, it's brilliant. Good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, just the pair of hands holding the hook, and uh, I was kind of imagining like swinging across like a zip line <laughs> that the kids go on, yeah, um, <laughs> and just wanging it into her face, and then you just see her legs <laughs> hanging down from the attic, and he winches her up, and she's still there at the, yeah. at the close of the film on that hook, just dangling. Yeah, there. part of his little. Diorama, yeah. My mm. good at that framing when you see that diorama is incredible. Ah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and just after Billy's killed Mrs. Mack, he has a, a weird freak out where he starts just flinging stuff about and 
bellowing and yelping like he does. Yeah. I wondered if that's because that wasn't his plan. Hmm. Because that Mm. kill came to him, right? All Mm. the others, he went Mm. to them. And so I I wondered if that freak out was something that was not what he had planned. But the way the whole film's set up, you just, you read so much into it. It doesn't tell you anything. Right. So your mind's doing all of this. It's it's really well done. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good interpretation, definitely. (laughs) No, because it certainly doesn't show him doing that for anybody else other than Mrs. Mack. Yeah. 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 The other scene that I had in mind that I really love with Margot Kidder is where she's the one who answers the phone call and she's not taking any shit and she's mm. giving him shit back. And yeah. she does a thing that's very the antithesis of Lois Lane and she correctly spells fellatio, which Lois Lane could never do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chief, how many L's in fellatio? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we go for favourite lines then? Yes, please. And we'll begin with Cinemaster. Um, it's not really a, a line. I just liked when Audra, I, I, I've got her all th- all the way through <laughs> my notes as Audra. I can't remember what her name was, Jess. but I've put in the notes Jess, yeah, but um, I just put Audra a few times and I thought she did, uh, um, when she's on the phone, I think, and screaming up the stairs, she just goes hysterical. Mm. Absolutely hysterical. And I was like, wow that's pretty close to being actually hysterical. And, yeah. I, and, I, and that was one of my, my high points. She used up all of her acting in that scene, and yeah. that's why she didn't have any left to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was not just the physical aspect, it was the vocal side of it as well. Yeah. I just I just thought it was really, really, really well done. And um, again, it's one of those spine-tingling moments for me where she's almost coming out of the screen. Mm. It was really great. Good stuff. Let's go for Craig. It's another tie-in to the Superman franchise, but it's not a Margot Kidder line. It's from Mrs. Mack, and she says of the sorority girls, these brothers would hub the leaning tower of Pisa if they could get up there. (laughs) (laughs) Yowza. That's certainly painting an image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very unfortunate image. <laughs> I'm bad. Well, we mentioned my top one earlier. It was the, hello, hello, hello. But uh, <laughs> the next one I also like was also from Mrs. Mac. It's when she's, the cab's waiting outside and she hears the cat. So it's just before she sees her end, and she goes, God damn it, Claude, you little prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mr. Harrison's there. looking on disapprovingly with his uh, frizzy bald head and (laughs) moustache you feel so sorry for that guy he's great yeah they don't find Claire do they no no she's still in the attic but they they just know that she's dead yeah and uh, he's just like passed out (laughs) in the chair and have to lift him out it's uh, it's sad but it's also very very funny yeah yeah Um, hmm I don't think I've actually got any others apart from the hello. But you you did a very good impression, I must say, as well. I was, yeah. You know, if you could close your eyes, you'd think it was her. <laughs> <laughs> hello? 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 It's him again! <laughs> I had no idea what accent Perfect. she had at that point. I was like, what? It wasn't until she spoke later that I worked out. Mid-Atlantic accent, hasn't she? Yeah. yeah, strange. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's like somebody who can't quite decide what she wants to be—whether she wants to be American or English. 
Is she in Rome? Yeah. One of the Romeo and Juliet's. Yeah. Sounds plausible. Playing Mercutio. <laughs> yeah, no, she is, yeah. Playing Juliet. She played Juliet when she was 15 years old in the Zeffirelli one, which we watched in school. Very nice indeed. Mm. Well, <laughs> anything else to add, or shall we move on? Move on, baby. Let's get this one bagged and tagged. I'll just actually mention, before we do move on, the final sequence. How it plays out is is pretty crazy. Jess is the sole survivor of the sorority house, and uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's sort of passed out in shock from everything that's happened. And so the police just decide to put her in bed and leave her alone, <laughs> completely yeah. on her own in this house where loads of people yeah. have been murdered, and just <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Unknown to them that there's bodies in the attic, but still. It is pretty crazy to to do yeah. that. Yeah, they don't know he's still in the house, right? They think they've got no. the murderer, and they, yeah. There's yeah. A, there is one officer standing outside on guard, so yeah, they think it's is, safe. Yeah. They don't know anyone's left in the house, right? Yeah, that's it true. still feels a bit mad to me to not call her parents or or, or put her in hospital or... for an overnight observation. Yeah, I think it's extremely negligent to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the police for you. You think yeah. there'll be an inquiry afterwards? I don't know. Well, the, the the casual nature in which they drove across town to it, and then the obviously leaving her in that state afterwards, and who knows what's going to happen to her? And they're probably yeah. likely at least be a, a, a complaint to the independent ombudsman, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> In Black Christmas, Billy makes himself at home in the sorority house and attempts to pick off the student residents one by one. One presumes in order to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ in his own unique way. (laughs) Amen. But so far as it goes, what did the panel think of this particular plan? Was it a Christmas cracker or a bit of a turkey? And let's begin with Ben. There's an argument to say he didn't have much of a plan. He was, Mm. you know, he was probably just like, acting on kind of instinct and whatever his troubled mind was telling him to do. But as I mentioned earlier, I do think that the freak out was because he hadn't planned to kill the old lady or it was not done on his terms. And so he reacted that way. So I, I don't know. It's it's a tricky one. I think he did well getting into the house. He seemed to get in quite easily. He snuck around well, didn't get caught. He only showed himself when he wanted to be seen. And so for that, I'm going to give him eight sneaky Florence of Broccoli. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's hear what Craig has to say. Yeah, I don't think he's much of a planner per se. I think he's an opportunist, but I think he's a very effective opportunist and he rolls with the situation well. So that in itself is quite good planning, but, you know, ad hoc planning, planning on his feet. So yeah, I think he's, he, he does pretty well. And, you know, he doesn't get caught, so success yeah true and and it's hard to argue now that you've pointed out that he must be celebrating the birth of our lord and savior jesus christ in his own way because he could have killed them at any time he waited for christmas so uh maybe he he wanted to specifically target the girls because 
seems to be sexually frustrated in some way, doesn't he? And that's a safe bet. Much like Jesus Christ. Exactly like <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. Okay, Cinemaster, hit us with your ops. Well, to pick up on what some of the other boys said, he's sort of like, he's, a, he's you know, he's whether he's planned it or not, we don't know. But they, what they say is uh, there's people that do and there's people that do not. And so people who do not teach... So I estimate that Billy is a teacher. Thus, <laughs> teachers are good at planning, aren't they? They plan loads of lessons, mm. uh, and they've probably got a lot of uh, pent up, um, just beneath the surface aggression. Yeah. yeah. So, so as, as a as, as a sexually repressed teacher, he's probably very good at planning. So yeah, I think he's a this is a very good plan. Sound <laughs> logic. Yeah, and he's, he's on campus, so he could be right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd go along with what my fellow panel members have said. There's not a huge amount of planning, but there is something there, isn't there? Because he's hiding in the attic. He's picking people mm. off when they're on their own, and he does not get caught, which uh, it's hard to argue against that in a villainous plan. Mm. It must be a successful plan because he is not caught. And presumably yeah. he's still at large, so check your attics, folks, when you're putting your yeah. decks back up there after Christmas. Yeah. I'm in my attic. <gasps> <gasps> Before we go any ready further, thank you very much for listening and having us in your home on this most holy of days. Do remember, if you like what you hear each week, please subscribe, leave us a written review and follow us on Apple Podcasts if you're able. It is the best platform to help us grow the podcast and you, Peril Pals, are an important part of that process. If you aren't on Apple, rate us on your provider of choice and follow us on socials at DiabolicalPod. Let's all cheers to that with a nice glass of sherry, beer, wine, brandy or turnip juice. Or mulled wine. Yes, or mulled wine. <laughs> and now we come to the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for precious peril points on the perilous leaderboard. Each member gets one vote, which will equal one point on the board. But do remember that you cannot vote for yourself, you cranberry saucy babies. <laughs> Our task this week is to claim a sorority house as your own and host the festive party in any way you see fit. So, let's do this! And we'll begin with Craig. Billy hates talking on the phone. He can never quite communicate what he wants to say in the right way. It makes him feel awkward and he starts to act silly. He really wants to lick some piggy pussy. So he does the only sane thing and decides to have a crack at joining the sorority. He heads to the local fancy dress store to buy a cheerleader outfit. He wants the other sisters to know he's a good time Sally. He doesn't want to look like he's wearing a disguise, so he forgoes the wig and just puts some clips in his hair. He doesn't want to look too intimidating, so he also wears some dorky glasses and a sensible cardigan. He wants to bring a gift and settles on alcohol. This way, he hopes he might get some of the girls drunk, too. Billy shows up at the door of the sorority house and rings the doorbell. 
He's greeted by Jess, who welcomes him warmly. She takes the bottle of pure alcohol from his right hand and places it on a nearby table before bursting into laughter at what he has in his left hand, a can of wood polish. Very funny, says Jess. I get it. This is your pledge, right? (laughs) Because it's a can of pledge. Jesus. Billy spins around like a whirlwind and replies, Tasmanian devil. (laughs) After some hazing rituals, including lots of piggy pussy licking, of course, Billy is accepted into the sorority and is soon hosting a wonderful Christmas party. The girls don't see Billy for much of the night as he is kept busy in the garden smashing lots of piñatas. Once things start to wind down and many of the girls retire to bed, Billy gleefully turns the alcohol into a Molotov cocktail that he smashes near the front door before stalking the bedrooms to kill all the remaining sisters one by one, strangling Jess with Christmas lights, stabbing Barb with the star from the top of the tree, choking Claire with twiglets, and doing an American (laughs) History X head stomp on Phil with her jaw hinged over a Toblerone. (laughs) (laughs) Nice touch. Says a lot that Gaz gave us the option to host a Christmas party in any way we see fit. I think it's what Billy would want. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's what Jesus would have wanted as well. Exactly, right? So your plan to work, Billy would have to have the the foreknowledge that he was going into a sorority house. Do you think he had that? He's already in there, isn't he? What? He's already in there. So he's in there, realizes the sorority house, then goes back out and gets the gets outfit. the costume, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. I see. So he's gone mm. up there. He's realized that just going down through the attic isn't going to work. Well, he needs something a bit saucier. It would work as we saw in the movie, but yeah, in this version, he has another idea, and he thinks he'd like to. Well, the thing that he doesn't really get a lot of in this, or we don't see anyway, he doesn't get to lick a lot of piggy pussy. <laughs> Despite him clearly stating that he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Pledging to a sorority means a hazing ritual, and all sorority hazing rituals involve mm. that. Cunnilingus. Yeah. So just wanted to give him a bit of a Christmas present along with the murders. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Molotov cocktail for? To stop them from leaving. So he sets fire to the uh, front door okay. area, basically. What about the back door? There's a back door where those two posse guys come to to warn them to stay inside. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know about the back door, or he hasn't thought about it. What about the windows? I mean, he's, they're all in, in bed. He's just gone up there to kill them one by one. So they could jump out the windows, I guess, but they don't know what's going on. They're all right. pissed up. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Was uh, That was one thing I was going to ask before. Was Roman militias a thing in 1970s uh, law enforcement, essentially? Well, it's, it's been in America, hasn't it? Well, they got together a posse, didn't they? Yeah. Whip up a posse. Get your guns. They were searching for the body, right? Yeah, I guess. I've seen it in other horror movies as well, actually. So if there's no more questions, we will have the Cinemaster's plan. <laughs> right, here we go. Old Piggy Boy is a little upset. He never went to university, and his high school sweetheart, Rose, has left him to go to Kenya with the bloke from Allied Carpets. <laughs> Piggy Boy sets up his sorority in the only way he knows how by cross-dressing and pretending he's somebody else setting up his house using the name 
Mrs. P. Voorhees, which he picked at random <laughs> from a phone book. He advertises the new house in the local paper, promising fresh homemade pancakes on demand each morning. Laundry and linen are included in the rent. When the prospective housemates visit for their first guided tour of the property, Mrs. V, as she says she'd like to be called, regales the young ladies with stories of her youth and the numerous encounters she shared with many, 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 many young GIs that were heading off to the war when she was in her early 20s. Time hasn't been kind to Mrs. V, and her face is prune-like, almost like a leather face, and her back arched in a crooked way that makes her much shorter than she actually is, unable to look at her new lodgers directly in the face. She says she was kicked by a horse while rolling in the hay with a potential suitor one day. Encouraged by stories of a loose moral compass and assurances that parents will be kept in the dark about any parties held or any visitors the girls may have, the guests are only too happy to get their parents around for a visit. Mrs V's only caveat is that the girls stay out of the attic for reasons unspecified. When the parents arrive for a guided approval tour of their daughter's college lodgings, they meet the apparently frail and meek Mrs V. The house is clean, large enough, and doesn't smell funny like it would with an old lady, with a below-average rental for the area. What's not to like? As the girls settle in and get used to Mrs V, occasionally having parties, topless pillow fights, and what other saucy things they did in 70s horror movies, Mrs V occasionally asks a lone girl if they can shift some boxes up in her attic for her. So you killed him as well? <laughs> yeah, but not not straight away. <laughs> oh my lord! It's the nature. Of, it's the nature of the beast, though, isn't it? He's 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 demented. But he's together enough to pretend to be an old lady and have nice conversations about his and, life. and get himself a house. How did he get on the property yeah. ladder? It's fucking. It's, it's a nightmare. Uh, yeah, it's it's easier to get on the property ladder than it is to climb up a trellis. I don't know if that's a metaphor. <laughs> it is now. If I was moving into somewhere as a tenant or whatever as a guest, and someone said "stay out of the attic," I would be like, "Exactly." I wasn't planning on going in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's the forbidden fruit. Right. So he's on the property ladder. He's dressed up as. A lady. He could also bump off the person who owns the house and then just take Yeah, it. okay. Will that person not be missed by anybody? No, it's a senile old cow like he, he <laughs> sort of <has> got. <laughs> it's a senile old cow. <laughs> the best kind of victim. So that's all wrapped up in a neat little package. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're fine. <laughs> I don't think that I fully appreciated that we were free to not kill them. <laughs> Because <laughs> obviously I I got the goal second hand here. It's verbatim. verbatim what I yeah what I yeah it is yeah oh, okay. it's verbatim yeah. I haven't got time to rewrite things. It's copy and paste. <laughs> All of my messages to you are copy and pasted from somewhere. <laughs> I thought getting rid of him was um, pretty much par for the course. Killing him is implied in our mandate because he's crazy, isn't he? He is, isn't he? Oh, I've I've maintained that, but without the need for mm. murder. Don't give us spoilers. He's up there with Judas Iscariot, isn't he? The the swine. <laughs> Ooh. 
traitor. If I I get my hands on him now... Yeah, what what would you do if you got a time machine? What would you go and do to Julius Iscariot? (laughs) Julius? Julius. Julius Iscariot. His brother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd go and and stand next to him and tut loudly myself. (laughs) Well done. Let's hear Ben's plan. Billy has it all. Unwavering determination. Inhuman dedication. He can climb, he can do voices, and he certainly has a gift for pageantry. So instead of stalking and terrorising the girls, he uses his disarming charm and surprisingly insightful observations to connect with them on a deeper level. In her room, Phil looks into the mirror. She shakes her head and says aloud, No wonder my boyfriend is such a hopeless nerd. I'll never bag myself a hot pianist like Peter looking like Thelma from Scooby-Doo. She hears a whisper from under the bed. He's just a college boyfriend. There are plenty of people out there who dig the Thelma look. Be patient. Have fun. Tell yourself that you are enough. She nearly screams out but realises that actually it makes good sense. Feeling more confident, she picks the lint from her orange roll-neck sweater and heads downstairs to the party. Next, Billy overhears Barb getting shit-canned by her mum and through a crack in an ajar cupboard door offers the following advice. Rejection only hurts if you let it. If your mother can't see what a beautiful, intelligent woman you've become, then she doesn't deserve a daughter like you. The girls in the house are your real family, not that insecure, man-pleasing witch. Go be with them. That was just what she needed to hear. Spirits buoyed, Barb skips back to the party and lights up two cigarettes. (laughs) Over the course of the night, Billy helps all of the girls in one way or another, becoming their confidant, their therapist and their spiritual guide, helping them navigate the complexities of relationships, schoolwork and personal struggles. At the party, the girls, free of anxiety and fear, call out for the mysterious Billy to join them. With a little coaxing, he emerges from the shadows and he turns out to be quite a looker, like an alert Neil Diamond. (laughs) The girls thank him for his guidance and promise to shed their inhibitions and embrace their individuality as long as he stays with them forever. Perhaps in the attic, they suggest. Billy gracefully agrees. The ensuing party is a riot of laughter, music and shared experiences. The girls, dressed in their most festive attire, dance the night away, their spirits lifted by Billy's infectious enthusiasm. As the night draws to a close, the girls gather around Billy, their faces glowing with gratitude and affection. They thank him for his wisdom and belief in their potential and ask how they can ever repay him, to which he responds by simply walking over to the record player, putting on his favourite song, and shouting, <laughs> Chase me, chase me, chase me, chase me, oh, chase me. <laughs> and the chase ensues throughout the night, and uh, they all have a good time. <laughs> so it ends in a Benny Hill style chase around the house. <laughs> like a Stewie Griffin sexy party. No questions? Gaz, go ahead. <laughs> so you think the guy who says, I'll stick my tongue in your pretty pussy, he can also become an agony aunt and very eloquently <laughs> talk through yeah. their issues. He's very insightful. 
Okay. So he he sees mm. you know he sees the girl's problems and he's able to exploit them. So mm. what he does is just right. take that insight and just just reframe it slightly. If I was sitting here on the couch now and I was lamenting something about an aspect about my life, saying, "Oh Jesus, I don't know, I'm going to make my mortgage payments next month," and then somebody underneath the sofa said to me, "Oh, just uh, cancel your Netflix <laughs> subscriptions. Um, stop going to stop buying so many lattes and avocado toast. Yeah, avocado <laughs> and toast and stuff like that." I'd be like, "Actually, yeah, he's got a point." I'm going to do that and I'll worry about where the voice came from later. And then, oh, it's, t- it's a- <laughs> they're going to take that. And then invite the voice to your Christmas party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, do you want to come to the Christmas party? Yeah, I do, yeah. Cheers, all right. <laughs> you don't see a problem with that, no? I don't see any problems with that. Okay. And you're basically shoehorning that song in. <laughs> yeah. That, I, yeah. St- I started with the song and worked backwards. <laughs> 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 Why did they invite him to live specifically in the creepy attic with the rocking horse and the empty birdcage and stuff? Because all the other rooms were full. They wanted him to stay, but there was no rooms available because, you know, the girls fill them all. So they thought they'd do it up nicely for him. Oh, they did it up. Oh, I missed that. Okay. Oh, they would do. He's they only just do. arrived, you see. What do you reckon they did to it? Ooh. Put a mattress on the floor next to the rocking horse. Oh, now we're talking. Imagine that. <laughs> Luxury. So you think that he got into the house before he decided to live in the attic? He got in the house. Yeah. Then he got under Phil's bed. bed. How did he get in the house? Climbed up the trellis like he did in the film. Okay. So he went in he's through been... the attic. He's already been there. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, he's already been in the attic. Yeah, it's just, it's just a coincidence that he's been in the attic and also the only room available in the house is the attic. It's just a coincidence. Right, okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it too much. <laughs> The main point is that he's an agony ant. <laughs> he's kind of trying to cultivate a bit of a cult kind of thing. Okay. Hey, does the word cult come from cultivate? Yeah, probably. Probably, share. Could be. Etymology. Latin roots in it. Hmm. Any more questions for Ben Ben? Heavens no. That's all you need to remember. When you come it comes to voting, just remember the, the little sexy chase around the house. <laughs> <sighs> Like sometimes he's chasing them, and sometimes they're chasing him, and it just goes back and forth. They'll they'll go through one door chasing him, but then they'll come back out the same door being chased by him. It's amazing. <laughs> oh. So unpredictable. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm about ready to finish us all off. Oof. Oof. Happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I am an absolute wacko. When people called the popular (laughs) paedophile Michael Jackson wacko jacko in the 90s, I think to myself, you think this guy's a wacko? Wait until you get a load of me 20 years ago. Yes, indeed. I am quite the nutty butty, which is what I, an American, call you, meaning Brits, who predominantly listens to this radio show. A nutty butty is what you would call or call Nesso. I think, anyway. Or maybe that's just a symptom of my wacko nature. For, as stated before, there be none more wacko than I. If you could see this document, you would surely note that I have spelled the word wacko as W-A-C-K-O sometimes, and W-H-A-C-K-O at others. Mad. As for the sorority house and how I would claim it, 
Now, I might be an absolute wacko, but I'm not a complete burk. All that I would do <laughs> is fabricate some party invites to a very alluring Xmas party at another sorority house in order to get the girls out of their own dorm. Then I would simply move in, change the locks, and claim squatters' rights. It's just common sense, yeah? <laughs> then I would host a Christmas party by settling down with a teddy bear that has genuine human eyes and my dog that has <laughs> genuine human eyes and pulling my <laughs> plonker with wild abandon. <laughs> As the old saying goes, better to come a shitload than shit a cum load. <laughs> so you've got an insight into how you'd like to spend your Christmas. <laughs> This is the part where we're supposed to pick apart your plan, but I think I've got something that could actually help your plan. Doesn't oh. even need to do the invites because they go to a Christmas party the next day anyway. Mm. Just wait. Uh-huh. Does not even Miss Max stay at home? She, but she's, she's getting ready to leave to her sisters out, on that she, day. Uh, yeah, conveniently yeah. drops that in all of a sudden. Oh, by the way, you might not be here by the time I get back because I'm going to somewhere. Convenient okay, that the kill will okay. bump me off and nobody will miss me. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Gaz. If you have like a a problem around the house that you can't fix yourself, which I'm imagining is everything. (laughs) Pretty much. Who do you call? Uh, Ghostbusters. A a handyman of some sort. Yeah. Do they usually come around first thing or take a while? You have to book an appointment, do you? Take take a while, yeah. Right. And what what about Christmas? Do you think it would take longer or? (laughs) Probably. Are you going to get those locks changed? Well, I got something that might help your plan. No, oh, never mind, pick it apart. I got something that might help your plan. <laughs> we changed our locks the other day and I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> Simple as that. Bought it's a new to... lock. Yeah, it goes to being Screwed out the old it. one, took the whole barrel out, put a new barrel in mm. with, the, with the key that came You with did it. that? You, yourself, or did Emma do it? No, the landlord did it, but <laughs> I watched and I leaned and I, I said, uh, all right. How about that football, mate? Oh, how about that football, eh? Fucking joke, innit? Uh, did you see the game last night? What game? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, there must be like a guy on campus who does these things. For, That's true. for the campus. And I reckon you could get him at quite short notice. Okay. He's held it together, twitching and like doing stabbing motions toward him. <laughs> He's looked just about sane enough for him to go, yeah, right, yeah, I'll change your lock. So I'll walk over now because I, I live 20 feet away, let's say. <laughs> That's handy. And it's really easy for me. And my schedule isn't full, so I can do it right now. And I actually have, I have to love changing locks, so it's win-win. <laughs> it's my hobby, as well as my profession. Do we think staring into the human eyes of a dog and pulling your own plonker will fill the <laughs> void of wanting to lick piggy pussy that you have on your mind all the time? Uh, I guess you could just get a bacon sandwich, couldn't you, and just lick that instead? <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what I'm getting at is that by... By removing all of the girls from the sorority, he might as well not have claimed the sorority because there's no girls in it anymore. Could have just claimed a house. But 
the task this week as set forward by me was to claim <laughs> this house. <laughs> and have a party anyway you see fit. And so yeah, fair enough. Yeah. When the when the guys change change the locks, are the are the is the bear and the dog looking in the direction of the guy changing the locks or has he turned them to face away? He's got one sitting on the toilet, the teddy bear. He's pretending that one's going whoopsie. And the dog, <laughs> he's, he's, he's put that on the rocking horse because he thinks that's quite a funny concept to have a dog atop a horse. That is a funny concept. Yeah, pretty strong. <laughs> it's like stuff. that famous uh, Musicians of Bremen statue where the animals are stacked upon one another. I know it well. <laughs> I know it well. Uh, if, if it were the 90s, he thinks, again... Uh, while he's wondering about Michael Jackson. If this were the 90s, this would make a wonderful adult animated comedy, this dog atop this rocky horse. (laughs) (laughs) There's your high concept. (laughs) Boom. Okay, then. Those plans, if I'm not mistaken, were tit-vibratingly diabolical. (laughs) We had Craig's plan, wherein Billy dressed up in a cardigan, put his hair in clips, wore glasses and wangled his way into the party before firebombing the entrance and picking off the ladies one by one as they slept upstairs following the party. The Cinemaster's plan, whereby Billy became a landlord disguised as a Mrs. P. Voorhees and then also killed all of the girls once they were in his slasher house. Ben's plan, where Billy becomes an agony aunt, and my plan, whereby he shuffles the ladies out and claims squatter's rights. But there can only be many, many people who get points on the board. And with that, <laughs> if we could all cast our votes in the manner of launching a large hook at someone's face, which leaves them hanging from an attic-style hatch. Mm-hmm. Let's hear from Ben. Well, there were two plans with cross-dressing protagonist, antagonist. So I've ignored them and gone for (laughs) Jazz. Uh And I've drawn a dog with human eyes. (laughs) Let's hear from Craig. Well, there were two plans with cross-dressing. And so I, of course, favoured the other one, which had it in his festive Cinemasters with a little star on a tree. And Cinemaster. And to complete the Dutch rudder, I have gone for Craig. Craig. And I have voted for Ben, as he was the person Oof. who followed the brief. Is that a circle jerk complete? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, isn't it? Another circle jerk. Brief? I don't think that we yeah. didn't follow the brief. Come on. Uh, I didn't say that you had to kill him. No, you didn't say that we couldn't kill him. No, but I think That's true. by not saying that you had to kill him, I think that it's implicit to not kill them. You have to agree to disagree. We're going to have to disagree to agree, so there. Yeah, we've all got one point each. A nice little Christmas present there. Yeah, I think it was really good. We did. And with that, the scores now stand at in joint first place with 20 points apiece are Craig and myself. In second place with 18 points is the Cinemaster. And... Scorching up the leaderboard, but still at the rear with 14 points is Ben. Ooh, you can't win now. You cannot win. You cannot win. Snarf, snarf, snarf. <laughs> <laughs> and that will do us for another dose of the truly diabolic. 
but we shall return for episode 79 on New Year's Day in seven days' time. Craig will be sitting in the hot seat with his choice of film, which is... Woman! Whoa, man! It's Sorry Married an Axe Murderer. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a long time, but totally watching it. Yeah, extremely long time. Yeah. I think I've seen it once. What this podcast means is a huge oversized podcast of <laughs> Join us under the mistletoe next week as we discuss Mike Myers' classic, So I Married an Axe Murderer. And have a nice belated smooch under the mistletoe. No, I just said that. <laughs> Fuck. Ignore that. <laughs> 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 Until then, remember, everything will be alright in the end, and if it isn't alright, then it isn't the end. Happy Christmas! Happy Christmas! We wish you a bloody Christmas. We wish you a bloody Christmas. We wish you a bloody Christmas and a unicorn in the ear. Now bring us some piggy pussy. Now bring us some piggy pussy. Now bring us some piggy pussy. And bring it right here. And we won't go until we've got some. No, we won't go until we've got some. <laughs>